All right, my opening thought here is the idea of what is real. What is real? We live in a world where it's really hard to know what's real. Everything is, 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 can be edited. You can edit the video. You can edit it on TV. You can edit the social media post. We live in a Photoshop world. So what is real? The caption's really low, but it's small. I think it says, I think this might be Photoshopped. Do you think? I mean, I've seen sh- uh, you know, bears riding sharks, but not shooting a gun simultaneously. That's where they lost me, right? right? It's not real. It's not real, right? I want to see the kid really pet the uh, African lion, right? How fast can he swallow an arm, right? This is not, it's not real. And this one was a picture from my last vacation to the beach. <laughs> I try not to take my shirt off in public, but sometimes I have to. Right? He, he might have hit the uh, edit button one too many times. What, I mean, what is real? What is real when things can be faked and photoshopped and manipulated and an image projected? And that's, that's the world we live in. But don't we hunger for what's real? Are you tired of the spin and tired of the editing and what can I trust? And, and so that's my point today is that my heart's desire is for this to be real, for this to be real, for our, the, the worship we just had was real, right? We weren't trying to have uh, a concert, this is not anyone playing a gig, this is a group of people really praising God. It's our, it's our desire for this to be real. My heart's desire that our life as a church would be a real pursuit of God, real people seeking God. And so today is a little bit of a different day. I'm going to do a, I'm going to do a half sermon. Some of you are like, yeah, right. A half sermon turns into a whole sermon real quick. But um, this weekend we've been we've been uh, taking steps for me to be officially ordained as a pastor, and so. I'm going to do a shorter sermon, and we have some other guests going to share today. So I thought, what do I preach about on a Sunday when we're talking about being ordained to, to ministry? And I just, I just want to talk about my heart. My heart's desire is for this to be real, for our church life to be real, for pastoring you to be real, for faith to be real, for our, our encounter with God is to be real, not faked, not edited, not a spin. It's real. Because in my life, God has shown himself to be real. I shared this with the group yesterday. One of the moments that took me from a, a teenage kid who was going to church and, and understood the truth about the gospel, um, but it wasn't impacting my heart in a real way. I've talked a lot about how I could be a mean kid, uh, how I could pick on people and laugh at people. But when I went on this mission trip and saw God answer prayers right in front of my eyes, right, things that were lost were suddenly found, families living in amazing poverty, thanking us for building them a little shack and then feeding us. You're like, who, who does this? Right, God has shown himself to me to be real. One of my most significant encounters of the Lord, I've told this story before, was on a preparation for a mission trip in this field in Oregon, and I was on a solo time, and it was so hot that the only place I could get out of the sun was to go into this old dilapidated outhouse. And uh, it, it hadn't been used for a long time, thankfully, and I just went in there, and I just, the Lord encountered me. 
right? In the outhouse. I wasn't using the outhouse. I was just in the outhouse to get out of the sun. Just keep that clear. But uh, and it, there, there's just something you just can't mistake. And when the presence of God comes upon you and you know that you've been encountered by him and he's confirmed his love for you through Christ, it is real. And so that fuels me. I've really encountered God in a personal way through Christ. And so that's what drives me to follow him and to follow him into ministry. So we're going to talk about that, and you're going to see some things, and there's there's kind of a confusion or even a mystery about it, like, well, what is ordination, and what does that mean, and and so next, this week, I'm having them install this platform really high up, so that when I'm preaching, I'm up there, and I'm looking, no, no. This is simply what it means, is that it's recognition by the local church, you all, in consultation with a body of like-minded churches, we had a, a group here yesterday that, that met in a great representation of church members. It was so encouraging. And then we had 10 other pastors from our region come together and look at, over my life and my beliefs. So it's recognition by you and like-minded churches that an individual has received both a calling and a gifting of God to vocational ministry. Some people say, yeah, we really think God called you. We really think he's equipping you for this. We really think that your training and understanding of the Bible is on point. And so the ordination will evolve through authorizing me to live out this calling as your pastor and with the laying on of hands. So the leaders here a little bit later will lay hands and pray and say, yeah, we, we, we recognize and authorize you and ordain you to be a pastor. So that's what's happening today. But I just wanted, for my part, to talk about my heart's desires for this to be real. That genuine life of Christ. So I have been preaching through Romans. I didn't want to give Romans a half sermon today. So we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because this section talks about my heart. It's really meaningful to me as a pastor. It talks about being real in our faith. And it's something I hope that we all, it's not just for me to have a real faith. It's for us all to have a real face. So I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll read this section and then I'll try to stick to my half sermon allotment here. 1 Thessalonians 2 says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witness in God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. 
For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's just look at a few key things I'll highlight that talk about being real. But he says, this is Paul right into this church in a land called, a city called Thessalonica and a church formed there. And he said, you know, coming there was not in vain. It was not a waste. It was not empty. He went there, he preached, a church was formed, people's lives were transformed. And we believe that every week the things we're doing here is not a waste. It's not empty. God is working among us. We see it every week. We hear the stories. It's worthwhile. It's not a waste. He said, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel amidst much conflict. And there's a reality to that, that we're going to keep going. If we're going to follow Christ, if we're going to proclaim the gospel here, it will come with conflict. There's people that don't agree. There's spiritual hostility. There's spiritual opposition. Our culture is moving away from God, not towards it as a whole. And so we have to continue to be committed to declaring the boldness, uh, the, the gospel of God with boldness. In conflict, that's going to be a normal for us. That doesn't mean that we create conflict or that we be a conflicting type person. It means that we're going to continue to tell the gospel that is a conflict. And so there's a reality to that. We're going to keep going. But here it says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. So this whole notion of their coming, and they're preaching the gospel, and he's saying, the, the thing we're bringing to you, the gospel, the good news we're bringing, it doesn't come from an error. It's not, like, it's not wrong. It's not incorrect. The thing we're staking our lives on is the historic, witnessed resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's what we're, we're basing this on. It's not a made-up story. It's not a legend. It's not wishful thinking. It's not a spiritual quest. It's rooted in the historical resurrection of Jesus. Because that doesn't happen. Lots of people die. Nobody just comes back to life, right? So Jesus was resurrected. It does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And impurity is immoral or there's a deception, you know, I shared a few weeks ago about the, this car that we bought for my daughter. Some of you haven't heard the story. We went and we were trying to buy her a new car. Her last car got crashed. And so I was looking and she wanted the Subaru. I got to get the Subaru. So we get the Subaru. And if you know anything about Subarus, there's a magic problem they all have. All right? They have head gaskets that blow. Or they fail. So that's the magic thing. Anybody who's buying a used Subaru, they want to know. Has the head gasket been redone on this thing? That's the magic thing you got to know. So this, this ad I found, it was Craigslist, so it's on your phone. It was this long, this ad, and they named the car. This is Sterling, and we love Sterling. Sterling's been in our family forever, and the next owner of Sterling has to baby him. And, and, and we had the whole top end rebuilt, and the head gasket's done. And I went down there, and this guy told me all this, and he said, this has been in our family. I get home, and I look on the... I finally order the uh, Carfax. We're the sixth owner. It was a, t- a total lie. And I went and I was on Craigslist looking and then this picture came up. Someone in the automotive section of Craigslist put a picture of the guy that sold the car. And it said, don't buy a car from this guy. He tells you a long story. He promises you maintenance records that he won't deliver. And I was like, oh, that's the guy that scammed us. There he is. So I hired some youth group kids and we went and took, no. Uh, 
I wish. His phone number didn't work anymore. But the point was, he went, he did the whole ad, the whole posting, the whole selling of the car, everything he told me. He told me details about all these various things that were broken, and every one of them was a lie. Every one of them. Everything he said was an attempt to deceive. He had no pure motives. And the whole point was, if you write that the thing's been rebuilt, and then you can charge, it probably netted him 1500 to 2000 bucks more than if he just told the truth. So his whole thing was an attempt to deceive. What we're talking about here with the gospel, there's no attempt to deceive. There's no secret motive there's, there's none. You, you know, you, how many stories could you tell about, yeah, this TV preacher and that one esconded with the money and that one ran off with the secretary and there's just a mess. That's not at all what we're about. This is not a trick. This is not deception. We're not trying to get your money. It's pure. That's what we want it to be real. So in verse four, it says, but just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the, the gospel, so the word they're approved means that someone's thing, someone has been tested. That they're, they're genuine. Really, they're, they're in this. Their heart's been tested. They've been looked into. I've been approved. I've been tested to see if you are genuine. Are you trustworthy? Will you come through? Will you do what you say you're going to do? Are your motives honorable? Paul, he's saying he's bringing the gospel. We've been approved. We've been approved by God. We've been tested. And uh, he says, we've been approved by God. He's looked into our hearts. We've been proved we're genuine to be entrusted with the gospel. A lot of times we don't think of the gospel like that. We think of it as a message we need to share. And God, from, and Paul's saying, God actually gave us this precious thing to take care of. You've been entrusted with the gospel. So I'm going to test you out because what's he entrusting people with? The message that your sins can be forgiven. Does anybody want to hear that message? That all that mess, all the things you did wrong last week and last year and your whole life can be forgiven in Christ. That's a pretty precious message. See, so I'm not going to give that message to people for the wrong motives. So I'm going to entrust that message to you. You can be forgiven. You can have eternal life right now. You can be in God's forever family. That's a precious message. So I'm not giving, I'm not going to entrust anybody with that. I'm going to trust in people whose hearts are genuine. They really want to do it. So he says, we've been approved to be entrusted with this message of forgiveness and reconciliation. And then he says it again. So we speak not to please man, but God who tests our hearts. God who, there's a, there's a, it's the same word again. It's the same word again. We've been approved. So we're entrusted with the gospel, but God who tests our heart. It's kind of like a, a testing loop. You're approved to be entrusted with the gospel, but he's testing it again. It's not a one-time approval. He's continually searching their heart. I've been approved to be tested, entrusted, and he's testing our hearts. He's actually looking. He's looking in here. How are you handling it? What are you doing with this thing? And Paul's telling him, hey, we've been approved. God tested our heart. We're genuine. He entrusted us with the gospel. He continues to test our hearts to see if we remain genuine, we remain faithful. He's saying, and that's what we are. So what is he testing for he's testing for two things you could probably guess them he's testing for two things one we never came with words of flattery as you know nor with a pretext for greed 
He's testing to see, are you just doing this for the money? Are you just saying what people want you to say and doing what people want you to do just so you could get the money? And that is a real temptation. It's a real temptation. I remember once doing, this, it's real. I remember doing a memorial service for somebody I didn't know. One of the local funeral homes said, we got no one. This family's hurting. Can you come do this? I said, sure. I learned what little I could. I did what I could at the graveside. And the, the funeral home said, hey, that was great. Could you just be on my on-call list? And so one of the things that, you know, that often a family will give an honorarium or a gift of money when you come minister, when the funeral home does it, they, I think, just charge them and then just handed me money. And I was like, Wow. Wow, they just gave me money. And so there was this moment where I, well, I could, I could say yes to that. I could do. But there was something that felt all of a sudden very wrong about that. Because you're standing in this in, in moment to minister to a family who's burying a loved one. And if I just became their on-call pastor, it would have felt like, you know, I'm probably just doing this for the money. I'm not really doing this for the opportunity of the gospel. So I said, no, no, don't please. I said, if someone's in trouble and you need help, I will do that, but I don't want to be your on-call pastor when they, you know, I don't want to do that because of this very thing. I don't want to speak at someone's funeral for the money. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to do it because you're ministering in that key moment of loss. So I said, no, don't, don't do that. Because it's very tempting. And that's what Paul's saying. God's testing our hearts all the time. Is this about the money? Is this about the money? Are you leveraging the gospel? Say, no, we're not about that. We're not here to get your money. Second test, nor do we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. He says, we could have insisted that you use titles. An apostle is the big A, capital A, apostle, someone who personally witnessed the resurrected Christ. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Some people walk around, I've been preaching about Jesus. Yeah, I actually saw him. He appeared to me. That's a pretty big deal. I can't say that. And he said, we could have insisted. You call, us, you call me Apostle Paul. You make sure I'm at the head of every table. I want the best cut off of every piece of T-bone steak. You know, there's the one side and then there's the back side that's really delicious. I get all the back sides. Every, everybody else can have the front side. I forget one's in New York and one's, I forget which side's which. I just want that, it could have insisted on that because I'm the apostle and you got to do it. So the second test, is this about your glory? You want a title? You want people to recognize you? You want them to come over? You be first in line. Please come to my house and bless it and here's some delicious pie. And those are the real tests. Are you just doing this for the money? Are you just doing this for glory? Paul says, that's not what I'm in this. He says, we have a real message. We're not out for gain. We're not out for titles. We're not out for any of that. And so that's my heart's desire. This would be real. That I would not be out for money or titles or gain. We just want people to know Christ. So what does that look like? He's saying, we want you to have this genuine faith. What does it look like? He gives it to us. Verse 7 and 8, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. The word gentle is, is another word for a small child. We were like children among you, like a nursing mother taking care of their own children. 
A nursing mother, they're small. You know, you get those little babies and you hold them. They, their neck doesn't even go right, right? The little baby has no neck. You pick it up wrong and whink, that thing's hanging sideways. And the mother takes it back from the father. What are you doing? You've got to do this. And that's what he's, he's like, we were gentle like that. Supported the neck. We're explaining you the gospel. They didn't come in punching and fighting and throwing it in your face. He said, we came in gentle, tender. The idea of like a mom. So here's the, the key verse for me. This verse 8. This has all been a part of my heart as a pastor. Verse 8. So, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very own selves. So he says, we wanted to share the gospel. We wanted to preach the gospel of forgiveness of sins, of new life in Christ. We wanted that, but it's, just, it's actually the word, it's our very own soul. The word for self is we're soul. We wanted to share our soul with you. It's not a transaction. This is not a lecture with spiritual information. It's not a class, right? Our tree, it's not a class. We have classes and there is spiritual information. He says, that's not why we came. We came to share with you not only the good news of Jesus, but our very souls because you'd become very dear. That's my heart as a pastor, that we would be connected as a spiritual family. We would be honest. We'd open. This is where we failed. This is where we do well. This is what's good. This is what's bad. These are the problems. We're going to share life together. And that's what Paul says. We were excited to do that. We were, we were affectionately desirous. We wanted to be in relationship with you. We wanted to be connected to you. We wanted to share the gospel in our souls. And I think that is the picture of the ongoing incarnation of the gospel. When God sent salvation to the world, he didn't just send information. He didn't just send, this is how you do it. He didn't send, here's the spiritual pathway that you have to take. He sent his son. The word, the message, the eternal voice of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? He didn't just send the message, he sent his son in the flesh. We have seen his glory, glories of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's the idea that gospel is incarnated or put into the meat, put into the flesh. God's word came to real people who walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. He shared his very own souls. He shared meals. I wonder if Jesus told great jokes. I bet he did. I bet he was just fun. People liked to be around him. And so I think that's what Paul's getting at. The gospel is not just information. It's not just a spiritual truth. It's actually a life shared because Jesus shared his life. So that's my heart's desire for us that this would be real. We'd have a real faith, that we'd be serious about it, that we'd want to follow Jesus, that we would share our ups and downs, our goods and bads, and the reason is, I'm going to kind of jump ahead. It's not just about me. It's the idea is that we would all be, this would be real for all of us. It's not just about Ryan having a genuine faith. I hope that we all have a genuine faith. I hope that we all are in it for sharing life and growing. Because I'm skipping all the way down to verse 19. I didn't read it yet. Chapter 2, verse 19. Here's the reality. He says, for what is our hope? Or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? 
For you are our glory and joy. The scriptures, this is at the coming of Jesus. What's your reward? What's your joy? What's the thing you're talking about? It's not that he said, hey, I just gave you a whole box of gold and you get some diamonds over there and you get some really good. What's the, what are we talking about and celebrating at the return of Jesus? He says, it's you. It's you. Paul's saying to this church, you are what we're going to be talking about. You are what we're going to be celebrating that you're going to be there. So that's why this is for us. We're going to rejoice in the fact that each other is in Christ in heaven. Hey, you made it. You're here. And you're the, you're the lady who taught me in Sunday school. Wow, thank you. Right? And you're the one that invited me to youth group. And you're the one that led my Bible study. And you're the one that did this. And you're the one that did that. And we're going to celebrate that we're here, each other. Right? Who's our glory? Who's our joy? You're looking at them. You're sitting by them. You're here. We're here. We're with the Lord. We're with him. This world's done. The sin is gone. We're here together. We're going to rejoice in each other's presence in heaven. So it's for us. It's not just for Ryan. It's not just my sermon and my thoughts and my life as a pastor. It's us. That we'd really follow Jesus together. We'd really share our lives. It would be about him, not, not us. And that in heaven, we're going to celebrate each other. So thank you for letting me be your pastor. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for the gospel that is real. I thank you for your love for us that is so deep. And I just pray that I could indeed fulfill this calling, but that we would do it together. This is about us. This is about you, not me. So help us to be a real church that really loves you. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, yeah, Marty, come on up. And-